Jesus covers the earth in thick darkness is over the people. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar and your daughters are carried on your arms. Then you will look and be radiant. Your hearts will throb swell with joy. The wealth and the seas will be brought to you. To you the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camels will cover your land, young camels of Midian and Ephah. And all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod. Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Nick, thank you very much. Let's just pray together, shall we? Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for its truth. Thank you for its reality. Thank you that it speaks to us today, and I pray that by your spirit and by no other means, uh, we will hear, learn, and obey your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I, I can remember when I was a child, um, I bought this one, um, hook, line, and sinker, actually. Because somebody told me, did you know where the wise men came from? And you probably know this one, but I thought I'd get it out of the way early on. came from this ancient Persian town called Orientar. 
Um, and I bought it, hook, line, and sinker. You know, we three kick. If you haven't got it, we three kick. Oh, no, forget it. Um, and, I, and I bought it. And, and ever since then, it's kind of the wise men's story has had a bit of mystery about it, hasn't it? You're not quite sure what you can bed down in truth and reality. Um, well, these wise men, magi, as the Bible describes them, probably the latest research I read, this isn't a joke, by the way, um, suggests they may have come from around what, what used to be known as Babylon, that sort of patch of Iraq. Um, and there's been all sorts of people who've written about this and this and this and this. It could be here, it could be there. Um, all the Bible tells us is from the east. That's the important bit. It means they weren't Jews. They came from the east. They came from Babylon. They traveled 900 miles. Um, so so whether, whether it was true or not that they came from somewhere, they obviously came from somewhere, but where it was, nobody really knows. So Matthew was writing for a Jewish audience. That was the purpose of his gospel. And he starts with that great long genealogy. And everybody who's read Matthew's gospel thinks, what a boring way to start a gospel. You know, it's not some exciting story or something. And he lists all the people from Abraham through to Jesus. And what he's saying is quite simply this. Jews, this is your Messiah. Uh, as we say today, here is the man. He is the man. And, and that's what Matthew was trying to get across. And he tells the birth of, of um, Jesus in a very simple, matter-of-fact kind of way, really. Not for him, the shepherds, but an entourage from this place, wherever it is. And now he's saying this Jesus is not just for the Jews. And that's why the wise men are there in Matthew's gospel. And it's why Luke, when he wrote the, his gospel, put the shepherds in. Normal guys doing a job out in a field. And Luke is writing for the whole of the Mediterranean, basically, saying, this is Jesus for you. But he's also for ordinary people. Guys who were out there at night keeping watch over their flocks. Now that Jesus is for you. So between them, the two Gospels, and put that together with what John says in that profound way in John 1, he's saying this Gospel, this truth, this coming, is for every single human being on the planet. And there's much speculation about who they were. Um, it's not strange, actually, that these guys said, let's go and find the king of the Jews, because... The dispersion had happened. There'd been somewhat of a dispersion of Jews, but there were Jews all over the place. And they would have probably talked about of their religion and their longing for the king. And so to come to find the king of the Jews from somebody living 900 miles away, as it was that place, is not surprising in the least. Kings often ruled only over the sort of area of a city-state. So whether they were kings, that's possible. Uh, but more likely, um, what I've been reading recently is that they were some kind of court advisors who would advise their, their leader. And one of the ways they would have done that would be to look for the star. When there was a bright one, there was a special event coming up somewhere in the world. So they thought, let's, let's go and find it. Now, we had one recently, didn't we? Did you, did you get out to see the, the coming together of the planets in, in, in South Africa? We've been to a city first. There's this horrible crowd. I missed it. I felt quite disappointed. But I didn't suddenly think, ah, let's go to Sheffield and see this thing which has come to pass. Because we react to it astronomically. In those days, they would have reacted to it astrologically. There is something going on because of that. And that's what they would have done. And it's always been tricky that they came from the east. They saw the star in the east. Now, 
get this right, if they saw the star in the east, they actually went west. So what that probably means is that well, while they were at home, they saw this star when they were in the east. That map works better, probably. And so it drew them. And it does. Stars do move across the sky. One of my favorite activities in the year, if I get there this year, is to, this is going to sound, you think I'm a bit of a weirdo here, but it's a great thing to do. Uh, I've got a caravan in Cornwall, most of you know that, and there's a table outside. Go and lay on that table at night, or on the starry night, and just watch. And you can see the Milky Way right across, and you can just look at that satellite and watch them satellite just move across the sky. It's a little bit of human contact in this panoply of stars. But people have always looked at stars and said, you know, what, what do they mean? What, what does it say? And that's what these people were responding to. Number three, it doesn't say that in the Bible, three gifts, doesn't say three kings, doesn't say three magi. It just says magi came from the east to find Jesus. Now they probably didn't um, travel alone because traveling was tricky, uh, it was dangerous, and particularly if you were carrying gold. And they go to the obvious place, to where the star leads them because they want to find out what this is about. Is this a significant event? So Herod got all his advisors. This, this is why it works rather well. If these magi were court advisors, these, Herod gathers his. Where will he be born? That's easy. Go to Bethlehem. They knew Micah's prophecy. The carol service, we read it. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art you know it well enough. They knew where the Messiah would come. Herod sneakily, sneakily says, let me, let me know when you come. Let me know. You can almost hear the grease coming out of Micah's mouth. Oh, he did not like the competition. Herod was an upwardly mobile man. Uh, there's lots of evidence of this. And any competition for the kingship of Israel would have been something he would have wanted to snuff out straight away. And so the star moved. Now stars do move. Um, I'm not an expert by any means, but I do like, as I've said, star watching. And they do. They're in different places each night, aren't they? They move across the sky. That's because we were going round and round. But this star leads these people, whoever they were, from wherever they came. And this is the most important thing. To the place where Jesus was born. In the days of Herod the king. Remember when Matthew puts that in? Here was somebody being led, because that's the important bit. These people had a reason to journey. They wanted to find truth. They wanted to find reality. And is this the king who they probably have heard about in their locality? Is he the one that we need to follow? Now, I did this once because I had a grandson born, and I was way up country, and telephoned me and said, you know, my grandson's been born. I jumped on the train straight away um, and came all the way down. And uh, this is going to sound really soppy. Rod, you, you can censor this bit afterwards, Rod, if you want. Um, but, but I have a, a jumper that I wear. I had to go and get my grandpa's jumper and, and, and hold this little baby. You know, and thought, oh, wow. And if those of you have experienced that, that's a unique feeling. There's nothing like it. And these wise men came saw this baby. They'd been led to the Son of God. I didn't need kneel beside Ben's cot to 
we now know God has told us what he said to us was the truth so we can listen to him. So they kneel and worship and they present gold to do with the king, frankincense about holiness, myrrh about burial. Did they realize the significance? Possibly not. They probably didn't understand it all. But they knew this baby was special. And, and we do too. This is not just another baby arriving about which we all go goo-goo and cuckoo and all sorts of other funny noises we make for babies. That is, that is not what this is about. This is looking into that cot or manger and saying that is God's answer to the sin of the world. There's a much bigger picture here than just a nice baby. And the tragedy in many ways of Christmas is, is that Christmas cards and other things sort of hold us there. They, they hold us in the manger. And I think Christmas screams at us, just grow up. Just realize where this is going, what this is about. And I really think that's what Matthew is trying to say here. He's trying to say, look, here is the Messiah. He comes from your pedigree, Jews, Jewish people. He's Abraham through to Jesus. And then he brings the wise men in to say, this Jesus is a Jesus boy. Because he grew to be a man, didn't he? He saw who he was. God's son come to live on earth, but with a, a very, very special purpose. And that means we need to understand that this is the forgiveness of sin dealt with. This is the means of redemption. This is the means of salvation. Phrase it how you like. This is God in a body intervening in human history. And these guys knew it. By the means of a star, which, by the way, is God's instrument, Hendrik's wonderful line, Anne puts down a star and looks straight at it. The cruel nails surrender it, that beautiful line, to the truth of your surrender. That God who created the stars used one of his created stars to bring truth to darkness. And we can approach it in difficult ways at times, can't we? in this time of storm and tempest and uncertainty and fear, we can say, that Jesus is kind of dead gaudy in a way, isn't he? But boy, is he true. The living Jesus, the Jesus who lives today. So whatever you face, and I'm sure you're facing, as we are in our family, issues that uh, are not pretty and are not nice to look at, shared with you before Christmas, my daughter-in-law is very sick. This is the end of her life, probably, uh, with MS. And I had a call with my son the other evening and said, Dad, isn't Jesus wonderful? I said, what? And Jesus is amazing. He kept going and going in bed, being fed by a tube, coming to the end of the time on earth questions like, is it possible? And you see, that, that's the dimension, I think, that God gives us. And I don't pretend that that's easy. It's not easy. It's horrible. It's painful. It, it, it feels wrong to be looking at a daughter-in-law, certainly years younger than you are. 
through dying. But all I can say to you is that, is that the fact that Jesus is a reality, and I thank God that he is still for my son, that he can voice, because they test their GCSEs and their A-levels each coming year. You just think, Lord, what are you doing? Christmas, we celebrate his birthday. That's great. But you only celebrate your birthday once a year. We have to be going at the end of the 64 days of the year. But let's live this coming year on the grounds that Jesus, the baby of Bethlehem, came to save us, to help us, to be our friend. And we could round it off nicely <coughs> with that wayside pulpit. I, I still like, actually. It's got quite a thorn in my first one. Wise men came to Jesus, they saw him. And there we have it. But I think, just to finish this off, there's, there's something so much bigger here. As I said to you earlier, Matthew is writing for a Jewish audience. He's trying to convince them that this Jesus that he follows is the longed-for Savior and Messiah. Even though he was a crooked tax collector, his life had been turned round through knowing Jesus. So Matthew is trying to help his Jewish friends see that the gospel of Jesus goes far beyond these people of Israel. The Jews should have known God's promise to Abraham. What was that? Genesis 12. That they should be a blessing to all nations. Don't clam it up in your own nation. Let it out. Let it be known. Let it be found. Let it be talked about. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's let him out. Testament is saying, go out there. And then Matthew comes along, writing to Jews and saying, yeah, do it. And how does he finish his gospel? Well, if you look in the middle of it somewhere, you get this fascinating thing, and this is a sort of slung in fact for your benefit. There are two feastings in um, um, Matthew's gospel, feedings of five and four thousand. One's in Jewish territory, one's in Gentile territory. encouragement for us to climb above where we are now in this, this world that we live in with all its torturous pain and agony and say there is a bigger picture here. There is what some scholars call a meta-narrative. There is something huge and big that from creation to new creation, we are but a dot in the middle of it. And that God made this world and because this world descended into sin, God sent a saviour. And that saviour is the saviour Jesus. And that saviour says today to you and me, follow me, trust me, read my word, 
keep in touch with me. And when you hit rubbish, come to me. All you that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Gordon. Shalom. Peace. Rest. Then I will take you and rest with you and you will be repaid. Whatever comes, whatever life brings, God is there. He is still the King. He is still the Savior. This pandemic will finish. When it finishes, there's mighty jabs and we will become the jabbed out people of God. I know that was it. We should all become those people that are free. But I can give you rest. This is a wonderful saving grace, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this horrible, restricted world, and I hate it. Um, my wife says I'm being quite good at the moment, but uh, most, those of you that know me well know I don't like to be clammed up and, you know, I want to go, mm, you know, let's go somewhere. You pull out Let's go to the, oh, no, you can't. You can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do the other. And I react against that, and I have to be a very good husband and make another cup of tea and you know, eat a mince pie and get on with it. Um, but that's not easy. I don't find that easy. I really don't. Um, witness, just in case you're asking, why am I hobbled? It's because I went to see my grandson physically and tried some things that I considered not football. So there you go. That's how stupid I am. So I'm saying to you this, there is this bigger picture. There's something out there which is uh, bigger, and yes, we may hit the disease. It may hit us. We may not. But let's look for ways in these coming days where we can serve. Then maybe we have a witness that makes the garden turn green. We had a pretty gathering in our street on New Year's Eve. <clears throat> we all got out there. I let off the fireworks because, again, go off, Dave. Um, but I did. And, and we had a little sort of drink at about 10 yards distance up and down the street. And, and then my neighbor says to me, Dave, what are you praying for this year? He's not a believer in any sense. I said, I'm simply praying that God's will be done in your life Use me as you can. There is a bigger picture. The Savior might return. We're all going home. We know that. We know that. It's a truth and a reality. And let's live in the light of this truth. Yes, we have a hope. I thought it would be good for us to affirm what we really do believe.